الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فقد قال تعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد ولما ورد ما أمدين وجد عليه أمة من الناس يسكون صدق الله صدق الله العظيم Hazrat Nabi Musa alayhi salam is that Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whose incident is not mentioned once or twice rather it is repeated several times throughout the Qur'an Majid the incident of Nabi Musa alayhi salam is very lengthy the various stages of his life the various experiences that he had with the Bani Israel. But nevertheless today, in the short time that we have, we should discuss a few points from the period of his life which passed when he went to the land of Madian approximately 10 years before receiving Nubuat from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nabi Musa salam was raised in the palace of Fir'aun. And the day came when he witnessed the altercation where one person was being oppressed by another, Nabi Musa salam intervenes and he goes to the assistance of the one who is oppressed. And in the cause of defending the oppressed person, he gives one blow to the oppressor. And such was the strength blessed to Nabi Musa salam by Allah Ta'ala that in that one single decisive blow he brought an end to that man's life. Allah Ta'ala describes the scene saying, فَوَكَزَهُ مُوسَى فَقَضَى عَلَيْهِ Nabi Musa salam delivered him just one blow, فَقَضَى عَلَيْهِ And he brought an end to the man. The next day, the police of Fir'aun learn that the person responsible for killing that person was Nabi Musa salam. Nabi Musa salam is not guilty of murder. He was defending an innocent person. But the police of Fir'aun are not looking for justice. They are looking to kill Nabi Musa salam. So the ministers of Fir'aun are seated and they are conspiring to arrest and kill Nabi Musa salam. But there was one person seated in that assembly who was sympathetic towards Nabi Musa salam. He immediately comes rushing in secret to Nabi Musa salam, and he warns him and tips him off saying, that, Oh Musa, this is what the ministers of Fir'aun are plotting and planning regarding you. It is my advice to you that you should immediately flee this land and run for your life. Allah Ta'ala describes this as well saying, One person comes from the distant section of the city rushing towards Nabi Musa salam. He comes to Nabi Musa and says, Inna al-mala'a ya'tamiruna bik. 
the council people are plotting and planning against you. Fakhruj, immediately leave and flee. He tells him, Inni laka minan nasihin. The only reason why I'm telling you this is because I wish well for you. Nabi Musa salam realizes that is not a second to be lost. Time is of the essence. If he has to delay at any moment, the police will be knocking on his door. So he immediately leaves running for his life. And the extent of his haste is such. The riwayat mentioned he did not even wait to wear his shoes. Nabi Musa salam departed barefoot. The ulama mentioned that prior to this, Nabi Musa salam had never left the land of Egypt. He is now coming out for the first time. He does not know where to go. He does not know in which land he should seek sanctuary. But he makes dua to Allah Ta'ala, Asa Rabbi ayyahdiyani sawa as-sabil. That he makes dua, Oh Allah, you guide me to the straight path. Oh Allah, you take me where you have destined goodness for me. And in this way, Allah Ta'ala directs Nabi Musa salam to set out on the road and the path leading to the land of Madian. Nabi Musa salam travels on this road for seven days. Seven days, traveling through the scorching heat of the desert, barefoot, without any provisions or supplies whatsoever. Whatever vegetation grew along the road, that was what Nabi Musa salam ate as a form of subsistence, just for bare minimum survival. So you can imagine that seven days later, when Nabi Musa salam now arrives in the land of Madian, what his plight and his condition must have been. First of all, the starvation, then the exhaustion, the state of his feet, walking on foot for seven days through the desert. On arriving in the land of Madian, the very first thing Nabi Musa salam sees, is a watery place, a well. Around the well, there are numerous men, shepherds. Each of them has his flock of animals with him. Each person is drawing water from the well and giving it to his animals to drink. Allah Ta'ala says, When Nabi Musa salam arrived at the watering place in Madian, He found a group of people giving water to the animals. But he also found something else which was strange and stood out. Nabi Musa salam notices that to one side, separate from everybody else, there are two young women. They also have animals with them, but tazudan, they are holding back the animals and restraining them from going ahead and mixing with the animals of everybody else. It is the jazbah of every single Nabi to be of service to humanity and mankind. Nabi Musa salam sees these two young women, they are standing aside, they obviously have a need, but they are not fulfilling their need or attending to it, they are waiting for something. So Nabi Musa salam goes forward and respectfully asks them, Ma khabbukuma, what is the matter? So they reply and say, "La nasqi hatta We will not go forward to give our animals water until all these men have departed and left. In other words, what they are explaining to Nabi Musa salam 
is that we do not want to get mixed up with the men. We do not want to be intermingling with them in any way. If our animals go forward at this point in time, then we are going to have to go forward to attend to them as well. In the course of looking after our animals, herding them, giving the water, inevitably, a shoulder will be bumped here, perhaps there will be contact in another way, a word will be exchanged, and this is completely against haya. So in order to protect our haya, safeguard our chastity, we are staying completely segregated. Once the men have completed their work and departed, then we will come forward and attend to our animals. The next question that naturally arises is why were these women out of the home doing this work? Because Allah Ta'ala has given this obligation and responsibility to the men. When Ali radiallahu anhu was married to Hazrat Fatima radiallahu anha, then Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave them divine guidance allotting and portioning the various responsibilities of the home to them. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught them Ali radiallahu anhu will be responsible for all the needs out of the home and Hazrat Fatima radiallahu anha will attend to all the needs within the home. In the Qur'an as well, Allah Ta'ala tells us, وَقَرْنَ فِي بُيُوتِكُنَّ The women should remain in the home and they should only leave the home out of genuine need and necessity. Without Nabi Musa even asking these women, what are you doing out of the home? Why are you here? Your place is in the home. They automatically understood that a woman of nobility and haya will not be here. So they presented the excuse explaining that dire necessity and circumstances brought us here. So in the very next breath they say, وَأَبُوْنَا شَيْخٌ كَبِيرٌ Our father is extremely advanced in age. In other words, he is so old that he is not able to do this work. There is nobody else to look after this. This is the only means of livelihood for the home. If we don't do this work, we will have no milk at home, we will have no food at home. That is the only reason why we do it. But we understand that even though they were driven by necessity and forced by circumstance to come out of the home, they were not forced to sacrifice the haya and the standards of deen. They may have been forced to come out, but they were not forced to intermingle with the men and talk to the men. So as far as possible, they safeguarded haya. Reported one of the battles of Islam, a certain sahabi was martyred, his mother thereafter receives the news and she comes out to inquire as to what happened to her son and how he was martyred. And we can imagine a mother's grief at that time when her son is killed, her son is martyred. But the Sahaba radiallahu anhu marveled, marveled at the Sahabiyah that even in that situation she was extremely cognizant and particular of her parda. She came out with her hair completely covered and wearing the niqab completely and properly concealed. Normally if a woman has to receive that devastating news, we can well imagine she may rush out of the home in grief, not even realizing or stopping to do anything. So when somebody remarked to her, that you still had the presence of mind to conduct in this manner, her reply is worthy of being etched in gold. She said, In urza ibni falam urza hayai. She said, I may have lost my son, but I didn't lose my haya. So these young women, they by Nabi Musa salam, they were forced to come out of the home, out of absolute necessity. There was no male in their life, no brother, 
Their father is too old. They were not married. There was no boy in the house who could do this work. They were forced to do it. But they were not forced to sacrifice the haya. Nevertheless, Nabi Musa salam observes. Once the men have completed giving water to their animals to drink, they begin to move away. But before doing so, they seal the mouth of the well closed. They take a large boulder. A boulder which was so heavy and so large in size that it required no less than 10 men to lift and maneuver this boulder over the mouth of the well. The men close the well and then they depart. Nabi Musa watches these two young women go forward. They are unable to draw fresh water from the well to give the animals to drink. Whatever water has fallen onto the ground, collected in small puddles, that is what they are giving their animals to drink. Nabi Musa again, the jazba and that feeling of coming to the assistance of humanity, he wishes to help them. He comes forward, ignoring his own plight, his own exhaustion, his own hunger. He goes forward, and with the strength that Allah Ta'ala blessed him, he single-handedly lifts that rock, moves it off, and gives the animals water to drink. Allah Ta'ala has given every person a different form of strength. Allah Ta'ala might have given one person mental aptitude. Another person might have financial resources. Another person might be very influential, a person has a very, very friendly, has a very large social circle. All these are different forms of strengths. Allah Ta'ala wants to see whether we use these strengths to assist people and for the cause of his deen or not. Nevertheless, these young women, they take the animals and they return home. Their father, very advanced in age, was none other than Nabi Shu'ib salam, the Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The very instant they arrive home, their father asks them, What is the matter? Why have you come home early today? From here we understand something very, very, very important. The father was always aware of the movements of his children. He was always aware of their whereabouts. And the moment he noticed some deviation to the normal pattern, he inquired and asked them, what's the matter? Why have you come early today? What happened? Always concerned for the tarbiyat of his children. I know one father complained to me a few weeks ago. He said, at times I wake up for the Fajr Salah, half past four in the morning, and my son is still not home. He's out loafing from the night. And now that boy thinks he's gone big, 21 years, 22 years old, 23 years old. I can't even ask him, where are you? He feels offended if I ask him. But obviously the father has to worry. That father is thinking, tomorrow I may get a phone call, I may hear this boy died here, he died there, he's lying in hospital. But unfortunately, this is the extent to which that relationship has deteriorated. Nabi Shweib salam's concern, you came early, what happened? Why are you early today? The father and the mother, their concern for the children should remain until their last breath. When Hazrat Ali radiallahu an and Hazrat Fatima radiallahu anha were married, the riwayat and the ahadith mention that for months thereafter, when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would wake up or would be going for the Fajr salah, he would make a stop at their home and ensure that they are awake as well. 
Sometimes as parents, the parents feel that my children are married, they're big, they're gone, they're making their own life now. You know, fi amanillah. But we want to be with them in Jannat as well. We want to go to Jannat, we want them to be in Jannat. That concern should never stop. I know my respected father, he has a friend living in Cape Town whose mother passed away just a few years ago. She passed away close to the age of 100. So my brother spent some time with him and he would mention that this woman as old as she was, her son at that time was perhaps 65 years old. She would scold him and there were times when she hit him in front of his grandchildren. He never flinched, he never pulled his face, he knew this is my mother and she wishes well for me. But all the time she had that concern for the deen and for the tarbiyat of a child. Even though he's so big, he's so old, he's got his own grandchildren. But he knew this is my mother and she knew this is my son. So Nabi Shu'ib is worried, my daughters came early. What is the matter? So they explained to their father, they said that we were there for the water. And this is the normal sequence of events. But today there was a stranger. He came forward and he rendered this assistance. And that is why we returned home earlier than usual. Nabi Shu'ib immediately tells them that when this person has done us a good turn, it is only fair that we should show him a good turn in exchange. Hal jaza'ul ihsan illa al-ihsan. Is it not just and fair that kindness should be repaid with kindness? So he tells one of his daughters, go and call him home for a meal at the very least. Number one, he has rendered us a good turn. Number two, he's a stranger in the land. He should at least be our mehman. We should at least look after him in some way or another. The daughter of Nabi Shu'ib sets out from the home, going to call Nabi Musa home for the meal. The Quran Majid describes the manner in which she leaves the home and she walks towards Nabi Musa salam. From all the different qualities that could have been described in her proceeding, Allah Ta'ala says, فَجَاءَتْهُ إِحْدَاهُمَا تَمْشِي One of the two daughters comes walking to Nabi Musa salam, walking with haya. Allah Ta'ala again highlights this quality of haya. What was this haya that she displayed in coming to Nabi Musa a.s.? The Mufassirin explained that when coming to Nabi Musa a.s., out of haya, she took her sleeve and she used it to cover and conceal her face. And this is the demand of haya. When she comes to Nabi Musa a.s., she tells him, Inna abi yad'uk liyajziyaka ajrama saqaytalana. My father is calling you in order to compensate you for the good turn you rendered us of giving water to our animals. Here again the Mufassirin mentioned she displayed her haya. Her message was completely brief and to the point. There was no idle chit-chat. How you been? How's things? Weather looking good today? Freezer working again? You know, we can't manage without the aircons. When a person starts the idle chit-chat, unnecessary conversation then from one topic it becomes another the next thing we know there are feelings of familiarity from there it may progress and become intimate and then fitna breaks out and this is not something far-fetched there are more than enough incidents where a simple conversation sometimes in a workplace among colleagues among sometimes family relatives among friends thereafter developed into something that was completely unwanted and haram 
So she came forward, she had this necessity, she kept it brief and to the point. My father is calling you home for a meal. That's all she said, nothing more. So from here as well we learn, when the woman folk answer the phone, or there's somebody at the door, the intercom, and there's a need to communicate, completely brief and to the point. And the same if a man is phoning, or he's the one at the door communicating, he'll just ask, is so and so here, please tell him I was here, and I came and leave. No need to speak anything extra and unnecessary, unwanted. Nabi Musa accepts the Dawat. He now needs to go to the home of Nabi Shu'ib But being a stranger in the land, he does not know the directions. He requires this young woman to direct him. But once again, Haya. And this incident from beginning to end is an exposition of the Haya of Islam. Nabi Musa does not want to speak to her unnecessarily. He does not want to hear her voice any more than he needs to. He does not want to look at her without a need to do so. He wants to avoid it as far as possible. Nabi Musa tells her, You walk behind me. You don't walk in front. If the woman's walking in front, automatically she's going to be in a person's field of vision. You walk in the back. But if she's walking in the back, how is she going to direct him? One is for her to verbally tell him, turn right, turn left, but he doesn't want to hear her voice also. Nabi Musa tells her, whenever we arrive at a juncture in the road, where I need to take a turn, then you pick up a pebble and throw it in that direction. When I see the pebble landing to my right or landing to my left, I will understand that this is the direction I need to take. And in this manner, Nabi Musa makes his way with complete haya and comes to the home of Nabi Shu'ib Nabi Shu'ib meets him, introduce one another to each other. And he explains to Nabi Shu'ib the distressing circumstances under which he had to flee for his life from Egypt. Nabi Shu'ib consoles him and tells him, Najawta min al that don't fear, there's no need to worry, there's no need for anxiety. Fir'aun does not have any jurisdiction in this land. So as long as you are here, you are safe, you have amnesty, there's no need to worry. They have the meal. And then one of the daughters of Nabi Shu'ib comes to her father and she says, Ya Abati, oh my beloved father, ista'jirhu. It is my humble advice to you that you should hire this young man to look after our flock and our household needs for us. This work of grazing the animals, giving them water, hire this man to do the job. And now obviously when recommending somebody, there has to be a basis of recommendation. She tells her father, إِنَّ I recommend him for this job because the best person for any job is a person who possesses two qualities. Al-Qawi and Al-Ameen. He must have puwat. He must have whatever strength, qualification or capability is required for the job tasked with which he is tasked. If he's asked to do the books, he must know accounting. If he's asked to drive deliveries, he must have a driver's license and be able to drive. If he's given some physical work, he needs the physical strength. She says, I can vouch for this man that he is strong, number one. And number two, he is Amin, he is trustworthy. These are the two qualities that every person should look for when employing or asking anybody to do any work. If the person does not have the capability, he's wasting your time. You give him a job, he can't do it. If he does it, he'll do a shoddy, he'll do a half-shot job. 
slap dash job, it will not be done correctly. And if he has the capabilities but he's not trustworthy, if he does one job for you, he'll take the money of two and run away. He'll pull the wool over your eyes and he'll rob you blind. So she says, Nabi Musa has both qualities, Al-Qawi and Al-Ameen. The father asks her, on what basis are you saying that he has these two qualities? She then explains to her father, as far as his strength is concerned, I personally witnessed him raising and lifting, lifting and shifting the boulder from the well, single-handedly, which normally requires ten men to lift and shift. So now his strength has been proven and established. How do you know he's trustworthy? He says, when we came to the home, he refused to look at me and he refused to hear my voice. This is the level of amanat dari and haya which he possesses. If he has so much of respect and izzat, and he's so trustworthy as far as I'm concerned, he won't look at me, he guards his gaze. This is a pious, chaste and righteous man. Then we have no fear that he's going to steal our wealth. He won't steal glances at me, he won't steal from your pocket also. This is a good man. Nabi Shaib is delighted, he's very very pleased. And he proposes to Nabi Musa salam. He tells him, I want you to please stay with me for at least 8 years and do this work for me. If you give another 2 years from your side and make it 10 years, I'll be very appreciative. And then he tells him, I want to get you married to one of my daughters as well. We can imagine Nabi Musa salam just arrived. A complete pauper. Besides the clothing on his back, he did not even have shoes on his feet. But Nabi Shu'ib tells him, I want to get my, one of my two daughters married to you. And accordingly, the nikah takes place. And ten years later, when Nabi Musa completed the contract, that is when he departed back for the land of Egypt and Allah Ta'ala blessed him with Nubuat during that journey. But we find that Nabi Shu'ib saw something in Nabi Musa which made him eager to get his daughter married to him. It was those qualities of deen, those qualities of being a trustworthy and honest and respectable person. Rasulullah explained the hadith that when people get married, there are different qualities of attraction that they look for in a spouse. Sometimes you look for beauty, which is permissible. Sometimes you look for social prestige, a family with a good reputation. It's also permissible. Sometimes they look for a wealthy family. I want to marry into a wealthy family. At least I know my needs will be taken care of. Financial security. That's permissible. But Rasulullah said, From everything, فَغْفَرْ بِذَاتِ din. Do not ever neglect the quality of deen. That is first and foremost. If any other quality comes thereafter, it's a bonus. But the quality which should never be compromised, the minimum basic is the quality of deen. A person once came to Hassan Basi rahmatullah He said, there are so many proposals coming for my daughter. Which proposal should I accept and to whom should I give my daughter's hand in marriage? The Hassan Basi rahmatullah replied and said, my advice to you is get your daughter married to a person who fears Allah. And he thereafter explained the wisdom. He said, look, it's only natural, it's normal, it happens in society that sometimes the marriage does not materialize it's not smooth sailing, rather it's turbulent waters. It happens. Sometimes the compatibility is not what they thought it would be. And they just don't gel, they just don't click. At that time, if the boy fears Allah, 
then even though the marriage is not working out, because he fears Allah, he will not be spiteful. He won't make your daughter's life a living hell. He won't cause her pain, cause her taklif, oppress her, and cause her anguish and turmoil. Because he knows if she is at my mercy today, I am at Allah's mercy. Today I can speak harsh words to her, I can bring tears to her eyes, and I can do what I want, and who can tell me I'm the man in the house, I hold the talaq. But tomorrow on the day of Qiyamah, when I'm before Allah completely merciless, completely helpless, and then, at least get your daughter married to someone who fears Allah. Even if it doesn't work out, at least she won't be spending her day and night crying and weeping with a broken heart. May Allah Ta'ala grant us all tawfiq, whatever brief lessons we mentioned today, to bring it into our lives. May Allah Ta'ala grant us all the quality of haya. Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned that haya and iman have been coupled and joined together. إِذَا ذَهَبَ أَحَدُهُمَا ذَهَبَ الْآخَرِ If a person loses one quality, inevitably after some time, he will gradually lose the other. If a person loses haya, then he's on the road to gradually losing his iman bit by bit. Allah Ta'ala safeguard all our iman. Wa akhru da'wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.